the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Fixed one of these days. I keep saying that, don't I, Jacob? Just stay in uh, there. You do keep, keep saying promise. that. It, that's it, how I know you haven't forgotten. It, that's right. That's how you know and, I haven't and, forgotten. And it, the important thing is that you have not forgotten. And you and John keep reminding me faithfully. That's that's so nice of you. <laughs> one of these days. Good evening, everyone. Glad you're here with us for the Bible Live. This uh, program dedicated to making our way through the scriptures every year. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Back, we move back and forth between the the Hebrew scriptures there, the, the Tanuk, uh, Tanakh, sorry Tanakh. about that. It's Tanakh. like, hey, is that you Tanakhing uh, on my door? I'm Tanakhing. Uh, I hear you Tanakhing, but you can't come in. <laughs> you know, that is, if I heard that before, uh-huh. is, is there a Jew, Jewish kind of a song like that that's kind of, I, I've heard some really, really interesting, humorous Jewish musicians uh-huh. recently, uh-huh. and that... Uh, that that's why it kind of sets me off. Want to hear my so, favorite it, knock knock joke? Yeah, so what is it? Okay, to knock to knock. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, say knock knock. Knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck, aren't you? Bad, 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 bad. Yes. All right, here we go. Here we, we go. are. We've been reading though in this particular time of our uh, reading schedule for the year. We've been going through Jeremiah, Lamentations, and we talked about. Uh, this time period when uh, leading up to the destruction of the temple there in Jerusalem in 586 B.C., uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon swept and destroyed Jerusalem. This terrible calamity, this terrible time in history for the people of Israel. And we read about it in Jeremiah and Lamentations. Lamentations is a grieving, a book of grieving about that time. 
And then we moved back and read uh, the New Testament in, in, in the uh, uh, time uh, following the time of Jesus of Nazareth. We read about uh, the book of Hebrews, which is really super interesting. And I felt like last week, Jacob, we may have left something unsaid or kind of left something hanging in the air. I'll, 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 maybe I'll. It, it, may, it. it may come up again. It, it Maybe it'll come up again. But uh, we read the book of Hebrews, a remarkable book that transitions. It helps us to transition and understand that th- th- there's a seamlessness about the scriptures and about the biblical narrative, the redemptive narrative. It, it's it, it's seamless. It, 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 it isn't like there was some huge change and transformation. Yes, I assume that the coming of Messiah... Uh, assuming for the moment that you, Jesus of Nazareth was indeed well, that you long should stand awaited, up for that because pro- that's your religion. I, I that's stand what up you for that. Uh, then the the point is though is it, uh, it, it is a, there's a seamlessness about it. It should move it should move smoothly into that era because it was part of his coming. But it's there is a hiccup here. You know, and we understand that we see that uh, in the first century there was this conflict. There was this confusion about how do we how does the Messiah fit into now. Uh, what we know about God from the Hebrew Scriptures and what God has taught the people of Israel. And I think one of the things that you pointed out, and particularly, I think, from the New Testament, is that there is an intentionality about that. There is this this hiccup was not particularly mandated by God, but it was understood. It was a natural, and, and it seems like he tells Paul in the New Testament that that was intentional, that there's a, there is a season now of the Gentiles, as, as Gentiles come yes, into the... Yes, there and is. And it seems to be a purpose to that hiccup, I call it. That it's, it's not just salt and pepper. It's also the cumin and all those other seasonings. All right. <laughs> right. All right. He's, Actually, he's on a roll tonight. Before we go any yeah. further, may well, I... Well, I, I was going to lead us right from Book of Hebrews. Uh, now uh, we've come back okay. to the Book of Ezekiel. And uh, this is a remarkable... I, you know, I like the book an awful lot, Jacob. Yes. I really do, and I'm I'm interested in Ezekiel as a person. He's a an interesting guy. He's a young man, uh, 22 years of age when he uh, when he's taken over into Babylon That's as true. part of the exile. 22. At, at 22, just young guy. He's a guitar playing sort of a guy. He's a street preacher. Yeah. On the streets of uh, of uh, Babylon there and. Uh, he he uses drama. He uses theater. He uses perhaps even he used mime, you know, because it was a time of silence, right? Uh, for some time, he he went with uh, preaching in kind of in a silent way, using uh, using dramatic, you know, just you know, bricks and hair cut he from wrote his head. Out, and, he wrote on a brick. Yeah, something strange thing. So I find him interesting and fascinating, and his message is now he's he's a young Levite. He's supposed to be preaching in the temple in Jerusalem, and yet here he finds himself 700 miles away uh, to the east in this center of, of Babylonian um, idolatry and uh, false gods <laughs> and so on. And here he is, a representative of the true and living God, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God, and uh, monotheism. And, and here he is in the midst of that, being faithful and preaching. And, and he has these amazing visions, the wheel within the wheel, and these fiery figures and servants, and uh, you know, and so on, angels and so on. Uh, it's a remarkable book, and it, but it can be confusing because there are some it's aspects of the book. To, that, it's supposed to be confusing. Is it really? Yes. You're not supposed to understand it. Well, maybe that's what I've so been. So you're successful. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, then I'm then I'm I'm very 
I'm right along with the intent of the book. But you wanted to I did. introduce yeah, Last it a week bit uh, we had a gentleman, Timothy, call in. And he asked some questions about a documentary he had seen. And if D- Timothy happens to be listening, I inv- invite him to call right back in. And John, if Timothy calls, it's, we'll bring him right on. But, Timothy, I want you to know I went back. I had seen a few minutes of the documentary you talked about in the past. But I went back, I watched the whole thing, and they did a lot of research. And, boy, do I have some information for you, Timothy, That's and great. anybody else who happens yeah. to be listening. Now I recall exactly what you're talking about, that uh, he had seen this video, and, and it confused him and ended up, well, what's, what is this? And it has to do... With the people of Israel, um, basically uh, review what well, it was. A, it was a, done by a group out of uh, the, the main leading preacher, you might say, is a guy out of Tempe, Arizona. And I'll just give you a thumbnail sketch. Uh, after I watched the film, I did some research on him. I found out that he had gotten to uh, uh, evidently an ugly boxing match with the border guards, which uh, appears that you never won that. Then he had to go on trial, and that, that somehow was resolved. And he was also prohibited from flying into Europe, evidently on some kind of no-fly list. He couldn't get over there. Anyway, so I learned a lot about him. I learned that at 18 years old, he went to Germany, um, and uh, he evidently stayed over there, hitchhiked around, I guess. And uh, somewhere there, somewhere he met a wife. He's got eight kids. And the things that I really listened to in his the documentary, and I studied about him, he's evidently never been to a seminary, had no classes. He's just full of his own understanding. Which, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock him down on that. Mm-hmm. However, what's interesting is, as I was researching, I found that he has an affiliate here in Texas. Aha! So I actually got curious, and I actually called, and I will tell you the. Preacher that runs that small church out out in uh, Texas, uh, not too far. Well, it's out in Atkins, Texas. At any rate, the point is that he, the gentleman answered the phone, and he was kind enough to spend a number of minutes with me. I don't know, thirty-five, forty minutes. We talked a little bit. He and I, pra- and I told him about the show, and I said, if you'd like to call in, you're certainly welcome. I don't want to characterize anything without giving him an equal chance, but. If he'd like to call in, and he happens to be listening, because I did tell him about the show, mm-hmm. and uh, he can, we can talk about it. But I did do a lot of research, and I'm holding back on quite a bit of information in case Timothy wants to call in, and we'll update him on all the stuff I found. Excellent. Now, and now, as to Ezekiel. Okay. Tell me about Ezekiel. Oh, the, yeah, uh, wait a minute, Soapy, we should give a phone number. You think so? Oh, well, John <laughs> is waiting a sign to saying phone number. All right. Uh, do you happen to recall what the phone number is? Oh, let me see here. I believe it starts with a 3. 340-9585. 340-9585. And you can join us If the they're not in this uh, area, they have an area code they should dial? I believe it's 210. But, uh, you know, there's some change on that. Have you heard about that? Oh, yeah. Something but something just, is... just dial 210, then the number 340-9585. Okay. 210-340-9585. Uh, so we have to start to... including the area code, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. they're going to give a second area code. But anybody that's got the present area code is going to keep the area code. All right. So, well, anyway, then... Ezekiel. Well, hey, let's put it in context. I really do like uh, the context because it gives a formation and ability to understand what's going on. Because uh, Jeremiah, of course, we know, talked about Judah. Isaiah talked about the ten tribes of the Israel northern in tribes. The north. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Ezekiel, Mordecai, Daniel, they all, and the three, and the three children in Daniel, 
they say children, but children of Israel. Mm-hmm. They had, uh, they actually were, um, they actually were uh, um, in the, uh, also all in Babylon. Now, what's interesting is Mordecai from the book of Esther and Daniel, as we know, became officials in the Babylonian court. At the time that Jeremiah is writing back in Israel is the time that Ezekiel is actually doing his stick over here in Babylon. Mm-hmm. So there's many, many, many similarities. And the interesting thing there is that here they are in 700 miles apart in this particular time. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't uh-huh. have a lot of the communications weren't the same. Right. And here they were, the both of them, preaching to the people of Israel, but the same message. The, they yeah. were both delivering the same message, which was very unique because it wasn't the popular message. It wasn't the message you would expect them to be saying and all. They were, they were both going against the grain, and and it, it's it is a remarkable thing. It's one of those evidences. Uh, again, I I was teaching out at Lackland this morning. We were talking in our hotel class. It's the eighth week class for the basic trainees and their families actually who came to watch them. Uh, graduate and we talked about the fact that the the script there are these miraculous supernatural elements of the scripture that demonstrate that this is more than just a a great wonderful history reliable and accurate and and, and accurately reliably delivered to us in the transmission of the scriptures over many many centuries uh and 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 well preserved and kept we what we have is essentially what was written it is that message of the scriptures but also that it has a supernatural element that, that it's sourcing is from god himself and this this is one of those little evidences this here are these two preachers from a 700 miles apart preaching to people of israel and, but the same message comes in there i find that fascinating and also about ezekiel there's so many elements these visions of his are remarkable and i'm i am really curious and dependent on you tonight to give us some some well, thoughts yeah, from the hebrew it, perspective. it is interesting because when jeremiah's writing uh, Ezekiel's writing. And of course, Daniel was one of the young men I went with. And of course, they were all from the tribe of Ju- uh, right. Daniel, was from the tribe of Judah. And his three compatriots, which was Haniah, Meshal, and uh, Azariah. And they also have three slave names that everybody knows, which is. Sha- uh, oh, <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And off to bed Abednego. we go. Yeah, and off to bed we go, yeah. Uh, so, at any rate. Yeah, so the, those are the slave names, obviously. Even Daniel has was given a slave name. But see, these all... Yeah, Bel- Belshazzar, Belshazzar right. or something. Uh-huh. And so they're all there together at the, about the same time in Babylon. So this is not an isolated incident. Now, you're right. Uh, Ezekiel was 22 years old when he went. He actually spent... He was six in Babylon, six years before the temple was destroyed. So this is the time period that Jeremiah is writing. In fact, the sages have always said you should read Jeremiah in conjunction with Ezekiel to get the picture of what's actually going on. So that gives us substance and context. Uh And you're right, there's some very interesting things going on about uh, what they were writing, similarities, and some dissimilarities. In fact, the book of Ezekiel in the the Talmud, which is just a commentary, mm-hmm. uh, they actually have. Uh, but it's a commentary that maybe, uh, if I don't, if you don't mind, we talked about this a little yes, last we week. Did, yes, we did. The Talmud is a, but it's, but it's a massive commentary. Of our 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 English language commentaries are are 
interesting. We have some that are, there are several volumes, but the Talmud would fill a whole wall of bookcase. A big, it it big is, wall. and it is because not. Because it's been compiled over centuries. Hundreds really. of centuries, and yeah. it's not easy to read. It's very hard to read. And, uh, and, I, and uh, it's, in fact, <clears throat> I'll tell you that uh, it is meant for what you might call the academics. It's not meant for the, uh, the pedestrian. And so it's sometimes, unless you have a very firm foundation in the Torah and mm-hmm. the prophets, you will probably have difficulty understanding what it's actually talking about. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, and it's not written in the way you and I understand things to be written these days, it's actually written in the sense that you might find references in different locations. We're used to finding, like, you look in an index and you'll find this, and you'll be able to look up that subject matter, mm-hmm. and that's really Or a particular not, word, yeah. maybe. That's really not the way it's written because this is a compilation of rabbis over centuries, and not just rabbis, but, but, um, but sages, they call them. Mm-hmm. And so... One guy will be actually responding and talking to a guy that might have passed away three centuries ago. Hmm. So it's fascinating. And, and if you start getting a grasp of it, uh, you'll really it really is interesting. Is there anybody that actually reads the every entire, Every year. The entire Talmud? No, of course, no. yes. Really? Yes, I'm holding back because if we should get a call from the gentleman out in Texas here, I'm going to ask him if he's read I'm going to ask him how long does it take to read it? How much do you read? So I was waiting to see if he calls, but I don't want to. Uh, he probably, he, I just warned him so he can look it up online now. That'd be funny. You could start a new radio program called the Talmud Live, and you could read through well, the Talmud every I year. Well, I don't think it'd be all that interesting <laughs> to people, but uh, but it, it talks about, um, it does talk but about. But you couldn't get it done in 15, 20 minutes every day, right? You'd have to read more than that, You'd I have suppose. to read more than that, yes. Wow. But you can actually, uh, it's, it, it's in the beginning of the Talmud, which is called the Mishnah. Uh-huh. That it actually talks about the book of Ezekiel. And there was a debate. Should we put it in? Should we not put it in? And maybe we'll get to some of the reasons of why why not. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but it actually is because it has understood to be that some of these things are such holy concepts. They're spiritual, supernatural concepts but have to be discussed in physical words, which makes it very difficult to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, guess who's on the phone? Yeah, I know we got uh, Harold Timothy has called in. We got Harold on the line. And we also have your, your, Timothy. Okay, let's get Harold. Uh, Harold is on line yeah. one. Okay. okay, and Timothy, hang on. We'll get to you in just a moment. Right. Thank Harold, you. you're up first tonight. You called in first. We'd love to visit with you. What's going on in your world these days? Okay, well, thank you very much. I'm in a real good mood. Uh, my my son and I, my boy, we went to Barnes and Noble out there in 1604. That's your and I'm looking at. I can tell. Yeah, and he's going to start going with me every Sunday because he's in uh, oh, ROTC, you know, with the uh, army. He's actually in the army now, and um, and he bought me a new pair of shoes, you know, some tennis shoes that actually have the name Solomon on the side of it, on the side of it from REI. Uh-huh. And because his middle name is Solomon, but the reason I called, you just asked me why, you know, what I was doing lately. So that's uh-huh. what I was doing lately. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the reason I called because I heard the show last week, and I really like, uh, you know, the last guy that called Dylan. He was Dylan, such yeah. an inspiration. Uh-huh. You know, if you're having a bad day, just think about what Dylan said. That is so inspiring. But I did listen to that video that y'all were discussing 
last week that Timothy called in. And you know what I would do? I would suggest everybody to listen to the video, but then do your research on the video. And then you'll find out it's not what they're projecting. One, Just one comment, and then I'll leave because I know you have other callers. But with me, when in the video it says that the Jewish people are not a biblical people anymore, they're just a rabbinical people. And so I, you know, I'm surrounded by rabbis and now some Indian people. I'm just saying you, Sophie. <laughs> you know, Indians so fingers, I looked this up. Dogs, yeah. Right? You know, and from what I got out of it, I can be corrected if you, you know, if someone needs to, but around the year 200 to the year 600, people, uh, the rabbis had to get a hold of the scriptures and it, and it could only be interpreted by the rabbis so they wouldn't wash out or fade out, say, till now. So they kept control of the commentary, and the commentary was put in the Talmud, and that's what I got of it. And the reason we have the scriptures, how we have them today, is, is a great deal because of the Hebrew scriptures were kept. They were discussed with rabbis because they, un- they understood better understanding of what they meant. And anyway, uh, I can't wait to hear what um, what Timothy says and stuff like that. But okay. there's nothing wrong with looking at it. But you got to do your research. Yeah, I got I'll talk to y'all later. Have you had? I'll talk to y'all later. Thank you very much, Harold. Yeah, thank I you, Harold. You're calling with us, uh, and I'm glad that you followed up on that and and uh, watched a little bit of the video and informed yourself there about. That's very very interesting. Uh, what he says there. Uh, is this, you know, we're talking about these, this time period right after the, you know, first century, 200 to 600 B.C., uh, A.D., I'm sorry, after the, after the time of Christ. Was that when the Maser, no, the, the Masoretic text, that was before, wasn't it? That was the way they preserved the, the writing Masoretic and the text, transition, uh, transmission. The Oklanus and the Targum are all basically early translations coexisting with the original Hebrew, and they translated them into uh, different languages. So those did exist. Everybody's familiar with the idea that uh, the the legend about 70 rabbis mm-hmm. translated in 70 mm-hmm. days and all that. And actually, that there is some truth of that, but that was only the Torah, nothing else. In fact, the things that came later are very poor translations. But the Torah is correct, and there is some truth to it. But the other piece of the story is this, is that there were 70 rabbis. However, to encourage diligence and accuracy, all 70 rabbis, wives and children, their families were taken and threatened to be killed. And whoever came out with a different translation, they and their families would all be killed, which was quite a driving ins- inspiration. So they, early motivation. So that uh, is motivating, motivation. Yeah. And so, indeed, they did come out pretty accurate. And, in fact, uh, next week is Yom Kippur. That's and right. we're in the middle of the High Holy Days for the Jews. And uh, and probably anybody Beginning else. Beginning with Rosh Hashanah last Wednesday last and Wednesday. all these weeks. This uh-huh. time period leading up now to the, uh, right. the big a- day. And in the prayer book, especially among the more religious, the Orthodox even, it's about an uh, inch and a half, two inches thick. And it's a long prayer. And in there you only talk to God. It's only between you and God. You don't talk about other people. Rosh Hashanah, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, is about your relationship with other human beings. And if I've stolen your radio, I go back and get, give you a brand new radio. I apologize, ask for forgiveness. It's a human being, right, a human sure. being. 
when you get to Yom Kippur, it's only about God. And because if you have sinned against another human being or an iniquity, whatever, then I also broke God's law, which is also an offense to him. So, and that's what it's all about. And in there, there's actually a passage. It makes me think of that, what Jesus said, if you have, was it? What you got it. No, you, he said you, if you said it. You almost if you got go it. to the altar. Yes, you got you it. Find huh? some, remember, that's you it. have something against your brother. Go that's get it. that right first. That's and right. Then come. That's is that the idea? Absolutely. And in my personal unbiased opinion. Yeah, but you are I'm an sure expert in your own opinion. I yeah. am. In fact, I've... I've I'm con- becoming an expert in your opinion. I have also <laughs> consulted with myself and got a second opinion that I'm right. Okay. But, uh, the, but yes, this thing you're quoting, actually, I read that to mean exactly that. Huh. He says, because what you do, you must have peace before Yom Kippur. Now, you can make peace and forgive and make amends to any human being any time throughout the year. You can ask God to be forgiven any time throughout the year. However, if you haven't, then your day of anniversary is supposed to be Rosh Hashanah, and you have 10 days to make it right with human beings. Then you appear for God, and you can say, God, I really have repented. Look how I've taken care of this wrong I did. Mm-hmm. So uh, actually, so that's the system. And it might be interesting for folks to know what thing is about uh, Yom Kippur. What took place biblically on Yom Kippur? Do you know, Sophie? Oh, I think I do, but I'm not sure what you're fishing for. But uh, I'm, I'm just are going... you talking about the two goats and the, the, uh, the ceremony no. itself, the ritual? Uh, no, no, that came later. Okay. Uh, what, uh, what, what did you say? Did you say Yom Kippur? Yeah, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. I did say Yom Kippur. What date? Uh-huh. Was it? it means oh, Day yes, of Atonement. Yes, uh-huh. the Day of Atonement. I've heard. I know you told us about uh-huh. this. This was the giving of the Ten Commandments? Second time. The second time. So what we learned about the golden calf incident. Oh, oh yeah. After the, the first time, uh, they, he brought down and the golden calf was there and they'd sure. gotten into idolatry or something. There was, That's right. And he threw them down and destroyed but them. Actually, and he went Jews, back up on the mountain. The Jews' sin was that they went along with uh, the synchronitism. Mm-hmm. They actually went along with the mixed multitude making the golden calf. The Jews did not make the golden calf. They just gave in and went along with it. And so what happens is, is that after that, now a lot of uh, historical writers... The mixed say, multitude you're talking about. The, the people who went with them, mm-hmm. yes. Uh-huh. And because uh, they had different thoughts, different religions, and uh, everybody wants to convert to Jews even then. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, but the point is, is that so they actually did... It, and all this seems so hard because it seems like a tragic event, and indeed it was. I'm finding myself. The worst thing that ever happened to the Jews because we learned something about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that the other nations didn't know and didn't have with their gods. Is that he forgives. That he forgives. And after they repented, he gave the commandments. Again, we have learned, and you'll see it in Ezekiel tonight, if you repent, God forgives. Anyway, so I know we got to go to a break, I gather, and then we'll come back we'll and come talk back. to Timothy. Talk to Timothy. Folks, uh, stay with us. 210-340-9585. That's our phone number. We'd love to have you. Any comment, any thought, any response? We'll put out some questions maybe as we come back as well. 340-9585. Don't go away. With offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through planning. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Remember, no matter how tough the battle gets, God wins in the end. Those who follow Christ follow the crown champion. At The Word, we realize the battle has been won. The script is just playing out until the final scene. We're on the winning side. When the going gets tough, don't give up. Link arms with those who follow the crowned champion. Join the winning side. Stay linked to The Word. AM 630, The Word. Even in the little things that never seemed too big to me And the things I thought didn't matter much at all as simple as my daily bread to the strength I need to get out of bed when I fly or when I'm about to fall oh it's you and me you're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar It, uh, that's one of the things I think in terms of spiritual maturity, Jacob, that every believer we, we go through as we, we come to our belief in God and our trust in God and a confident, secure relationship with him. What are you pointing oh, at? I'm pointing to that Hebrew word and I got it highlighted for you. Yeah. That's the real name of the so-called chariot. Oh, oh really? Yes. And I've got highlighted. Is it like a Mustang? A Ford Mustang? Is it? It's yeah. not that far. <laughs> it's not that. Okay. Well, anyway, I, I just wanted to mention there about th- this idea. This song we just heard is a lead in is make me aware and keep me aware. You know, that's one of the problems. I think even as young believers, particularly, but sometimes even veteran believers, they've never um, they've never come to the point where they where they. They constantly and with consistency from morning to night, all through the and, and even into the night, that we keep our minds occupied and that we we remain aware of of God's presence in our life, what, who He is and what He's doing, and you know uh, the whole point of who we are and whose we are, 
as believers. You know, we, we tend to get distracted by life, you know, the this activity, that activity, this problem, this difficulty, this challenge, this uh, urgent matter. Uh, and we get so distracted into the matters of just this world that uh, we temporarily uh, forget that, hey, we're the people of God. God is here. He, God is at work in me, with me, through me. And uh, we lose that. I, I love that song. Help me, Lord, just remain aware. Practice the presence of God each and every day, all day long, remembering uh, that you belong to him and that we are the people of God. This is our generation. This is our time to make a difference in the world as we live for the Lord, uh, as we worship him, as we enjoy him in the one play, on the one hand, but on the other hand, as we serve him and his purposes here on the earth uh, as a blessing to others. That's that's a tremendous opportunity we have as God's people. And uh, it brings us to the theme of Israel and the people of Israel. Uh, God chose Abraham and his son Isaac and Jacob and this people group, and he used them as a as a tool uh, uh, as uh, of his revelation of himself. God used them and commissioned them to to represent him, to to shine for him, and and speak of him. And uh, of course, it, it, that's a picture of uh, the the nation of uh, the Israel today, the spiritual Israel. All of us as God's people. Uh, being used by God to to keep alive the vision of the true and living God. Well, let's go to Timothy. I know that uh, I don't want to get too awfully carried in my, in my matter there, but Timothy is with us. He was with us last week and talked about this video that uh, I didn't know. I don't know if you knew, Timothy, when you called in and talked about that video that it was going to become such a an interesting matter for our program and for the, you know, we've already had one listener call in tonight and say, I went and watched that and it was fascinating and you had some ideas about it. Uh, appreciate your being able to call in tonight. We, uh, Jacob has done some real research with about the video and, and the makers of the video and so on. And so we're hoping that you guys can uh, maybe clear it up e- even a little clearer than last week. Thank you for being on with me. I'm assuming that you're on the other end of this phone line, right? Yes, I sure am. Good to hear from you again, my young man. Uh, or not so young, I'm not quite sure, but you sound I young. I think he yeah. said he was 70, if I recall. If I remember correctly, that's right. But he's a young 70, though, right, Timothy? <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel like it, but, you know. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm getting there myself. Well, Jacob did uh, watch it and do some things, and uh, I, I don't know if you had any follow-up yourself. Uh, uh, from last week, any other thoughts, or do you want it, Jacob just to share a little bit of what he discovered? Well, I'd like to hear that. that that's really uh, informing me because I I don't want to diss the Jews because they were God's chosen, and but I want to know yeah. if these people are just uh, I, you know what I mean. I don't want to go follow them if they're. Not right, you know. Yes, in, in terms of those with, with the video, the makers of the video and so on. But it's a great theme. It's a great theme uh, that we all are trying to get a sense and understanding from the Scriptures about how did it flow? How how do we relate now in the period of uh, after uh, Yeshua has come, the Messiah has come? How, does, how do we still fit what's the place of the, uh, of the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, and the... And what lesson do we have? Jacob, go ahead. I'm just... Yeah, hello there, Timothy. Hello, how are you? Ah, uh, well, you know, I'm a regular specimen. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what a specimen is, yes, Timothy? We, he's 70 years old. I know he knows what a specimen is. Do you know what a specimen is, Timothy? 
Yes, sir. Well, it's doctors and nurses, they all get it wrong. So tell me what you think a specimen is. <laughs> well, uh, it could be a, something you grow in a petri dish or something like that. <laughs> or a sample, something like that. See, the doctors, the nurses, you're in good company with them, they get it wrong, too. A specimen is an Italian astronaut. A specimen. A specimen. Oh. A specimen. <laughs> oh, my land. Put it on Oh, my land. Well, okay. okay. Everybody be telling that joke. Everybody's now. a comic. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Timothy. Or 20,000 comics out of work, and you're trying to be funny. Huh? Yeah, all the reason they're out of work is because of me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, um, the, uh, any rate, so, Timothy, let me tell you what. Yes. I had seen a few minutes of that documentary you mentioned. I went back, I watched the whole thing, and I did a lot of research. I tend to do that, you know. And uh, at any rate, what I found out was uh, some things, and I'm going to, and uh, and I'll share those with you since I've got those on the phone, and they're available to anybody that looks on the internet. However, I'll tell you that I walked away with a feeling that I really wasn't upset with the guy or any of his friends. I wasn't angry at him. My only feeling was I felt sorry for them because I really realized they do not know what they're reading. There's only two things I'm left with. Either they're intentionally misrepresenting or they actually negligently do not understand what they're reading in the Bible. <clears throat> for example, in the video you're talking about, the, let's, the point of the video was that America should not support the country of Israel because their position is there are no Jews left in the world. And as I, uh, and that, and that's uh, kind of an interesting thing, because if that's the case, then God broke his word. And I can't ascribe to the fact that God would break his word, because he said, uh, you know, the Jews will always be taken care of. They missed the point. They keep talking about Jews sinning and doing stuff wrong. Well, that's true, but almost everybody does that. The point is not the concentration on the covenant side with the Jews. The point is the covenant side with God. He doesn't break his word. That's the focus part. And that's what they seem to get mixed up. And I've noticed, and let me give you what I'm able to ascertain from the main guy that you see in the film. He takes things out of context. He, th- he selects things. And he says things that's 100% not true. For example, one of the things he said, oh, well, the Jews don't even read the Torah. They don't believe the Bible. They think the Talmud is superior to that. In my whole life, in my whole life with the most orthodox rabbis I've ever seen, they're very careful to constantly say, remember, Talmud is just people's opinions. The Torah, the Bible is God's statements. So they always want to make sure nobody gets it mixed up. So that statement in there is just wrong. Let me tell you what I found out. Uh, the guy's name was Steven Anderson. And uh, when you go on, if you go on the Internet, if you do that kind of thing, you can look around and see what I saw. Steven uh, with a V or Steven with a PH? Uh, it's S-T-E-V-E-N. Okay. And anyway, so uh, what's interesting is is that he, uh, he evidently gotten, uh, refused to answer some questions for the Border Patrol. He evidently got into a, some type of fight because on there he's got a very bloody face which tends to happen when you don't cooperate because you're not going to win that fight. Anyway, then he actually went on trial, and I, I'm not going to go into all the machinations of what happened, but he, they, he actually had to go take care of some legal problems in a federal uh-huh. court. And then um, beyond that, there's another film you can see where he was trying to get, get on an airplane and go to Europe. 
he was not allowed to board the plane. Now that is an interesting aspect too. I found out that when he was 18, he went to Germany. And uh, from what I can gather, he has never been to a seminary, maybe never even had a college class. But maybe that's an endorsement. <laughs> right. That, that could you know, be an advantage, uh, I guess. But, but anyway, uh, my point is, is that when I hear all this stuff and I look at how he was picking things out of the Talmud, and I'm thinking he doesn't understand what is he's Is he a reading. Jewish man? You know, he says that he did a DNA study on his mother. Uh-huh. And, his, and this is one of the things I was looking up. And I watched his, the interview himself. And he says his mother had uh, some Jewish DNA. And, and I thought, well, that's fine. And see, they're totally misunderstanding that certainly there is a genetic Jewish, you know, actual physical, mm-hmm. biological descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Jews. But they got it. They do not understand that that is not what they're talking about in the Bible. They're talking about uh, different people, different cultures that can have a different understanding. More of a spiritual sure. lineage than and, maybe, uh, right? Fact, is that the idea? Yeah, sure. Because if you're a subscriber to that religious thought, then you are indeed part of Israel. Now, when I was doing research, I ran across, as I said, uh, uh, actually an affiliate of his group. He's out of Arizona. And I found it in Texas, not too here far Here in Texas? Yeah, huh? it's not uh-huh. too far from here. And I was so curious, I called, and the gentleman talked to me, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes. And we had a, you know, a, a quasi-nice conversation. Mm-hmm. A couple of times he expressed his religious opinion to me, which is fine, and I told him I have no difficulty with somebody having their own beliefs, their own religion. And he's asked me, he said, are you a Christian? And I said, No. He said, are you one of those Messianic Jews? And I said, no. He said, well, what are you? And I said, oh, I'm Jewish. And he says, Judaism is a false religion, dot, dot, dot. And he said, are you offended by that? And I said, of course not. I said, you know, you're not that high on my list, so I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, so, but so my point is, and if he's listening, he's welcome to call in. But I found as I discussed things in the Bible... I found they did not understand what they were reading. And that is what I said to him on the phone. I said, I don't care what you think. As long as you're not hurting somebody, you can believe what you want. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to believe or not believe. And he said, well, you know, there are Jewish, there's a Jewish DNA spread around the world. And, I mean, this is an actual conversation. I said, well, that's good. I said, maybe that's what God meant or partially meant when he said, I'm going to disperse you among the nations. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's it what it sounds meant. sounds like a good application. And, and anyway, so, but I found that he didn't really, there was some confusion as to what chosen meant. And you began your comment tonight, um, Timothy, about mm-hmm. the word chosen. And I had to, and I said, look, you're free to have your own religion, whatever it is. You're, and you're even free to look at somebody else and give your opinion of what you think of their religion. But the truth is, you're wrong from the technical meaning from the inside. And I asked him, I said, do you know what chosen really means? And he said, well, they think they're superior, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you couldn't be more off the mark. What, Timothy, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay. I explained to him chosen meant one particular thing. It meant that they were selected to be the bearers of God's word and take the Bible to the world. Not unlike what Jesus was doing in the New Testament. So that and was, if I remember correctly, if I, if I don't mind a quick comment, that sure. at one point he said, 
and, and you, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest right. or the mightiest or even the best that you were good. It, it was my grace, my my mercy, my just my love that that I. It wasn't because of anything innate in you that I that, that I chose you. It wasn't your superiority or anything like. And it said, in fact, you were among the smallest and the weakest, but I chose you. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was part of God's yes, uh, presentation. Yes, and today. and God had made a promise to Israel. And here's what I would be concerned: if God can break His side of the covenant, we're not talking about that the Jews sinned and did wrong. Of course they did. Everybody does. But if God can break His side of the covenant, then uh, if I was Jewish, if I were a Christian, I'd be very concerned because He doesn't keep His word. Yeah, and our, and our faith is built upon the idea that although we are faithless, He remains faithful and dependable. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would get that. I would understand that. So, Timothy, anyway, any comment uh, up yeah, to this well, moment? Well, yeah, Anything that Jacob said that kind of rings a bell or something? Maybe it maybe it affirms or confirms something you had kind of been sensing or getting, uh, or maybe it's yes. uh, totally the, different. I don't know. Any, any thought there? Well, yes, it does. I mean, like, um, it d- does bring to light a lot of things that, you know, I, I wouldn't share about that video. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, also I wouldn't mention, you know, the big, the book of Habakkuk, one of the minor pro, pro, uh, prophets. Yes. is a very interesting book, you know, the things that was brought about in that. It's, it's kind of a parity, I guess, of uh, what God thought of Israel. I, Habakkuk is very, very interesting book. In the, and one of the things I remember about it that was so fascinating is that Habakkuk questions. He asks questions. From he God, does. Yeah. And Timothy, difficult I got, questions. Yeah. I got a nice little surprise for you. And I'm not going to try to trick you or pull any little sneaky things. Uh, Habakkuk, Habakkuk mm-hmm. in Hebrew, uh, he is the son, as Jewish That's people right. understand. He is the son of Obadiah in the Bible. Now, if for those folks that think only the Jews wrote all the stuff in the Old Testament or Tanakh, that's really not correct. Obadiah, as you'll find him written about in, in, when he saves the 70 prophets in the cave and he feeds them and get, brings them water, he actually is not Jewish. His son is not Jewish. So you actually have a couple of books in the Bible itself from non-Jews. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that they accepted and believed in the idea of one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it really didn't matter what nature they mm-hmm. had, what country they're from. They're all part of Israel. And that was another subject that came up in our, my conversation with the, uh, this gentleman. And then I, say, I have to say, generally, he was cordial. And, but I have to say that um, I, I did find it interesting, like for one, one verse, it says, all Israel is not Israel. And I said, well, what do you think that means? And he said, well, uh, that means that uh, there might be some individual Jews that are going to be saved if they accept Jesus, but the rest of them aren't. And I said, well, how do you handle uh, like Romans eleven twenty six? It says all Israel will be saved. And he said, well, that doesn't mean that. And I said, oh. And I said, and what, what class did you take? Where, what seminary did you go to that we discussed with people that decided that? And I, from what I gather, they evidently haven't. But the point is, all Israel is not Israel 
They're reading it exactly backwards to fulfill, I'm going to say, their prejudice. It means all Israel is not Israel, means that there might be Israel that are genetic, biological descendants, but anybody can be a member of Israel. You could be Hungarian, you could be Korean. You, Native American, you could be Apache. You right? can, and they can <laughs> be you. part of Israel. And I did ask the gentleman a question, and I'll give him credit for this. I said, you can be part of Israel. And I said, it doesn't mean that you have to be a physical descendant. Judaism is a religion, not a people. And so I said, "How do, do you have any idea, if you're part of Israel, what tribe would you belong to? And he got it right. He said, Judah. And I said, okay, great. I said, do you know how that works? Do you know what the rules are? And he really didn't. So I explained to him, I said, look, if you're part of Israel, you still have to know what tribe you're in. And the person that brought you into Israel, whatever tribe they're from, is the tribe that you'll be part of. So Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Therefore, you're a Jew. And what that means is that all this bad stuff you're saying about the Jews is you're talking <laughs> against yourself. What's going on? You know? I said, so all these things you're saying is going to happen. It's you if your theory is correct. And anyway, but the point is... That's it. Did, how, how do you respond to that? Uh, there was long pauses and silence. <laughs> but the point... There was a... There, but what I found interesting is... Not, and I'm not angry at them. I'm just awful disappointed that they're so naive. Uh -huh. And I actually feel sorry for them. For example, I'll give you... Are you still there, Timothy? Yes, I am. All right. <laughs> let me tell you something. They have not read the Torah or the Talmud. They just haven't. And I don't... I'm not going to say they got to read Hebrew. They don't. There's some very fine translations. But here's what I've discovered, is they're taking verses that I heard somebody else quote and say, see what it says. For example, I said last week, and this also is correct, 100%, the Ku Klux Klan leader, David Duke, he's one of the first guys that came up with and he said, oh, in the Talmud it criticizes Jesus. That's one of the things they say in uh, the book in this little in film. this video as uh, well in this uh -huh. video, and so I went back and I definitely double checked, and and in, in the 16th century, I want to tell you this, that the Catholic Church had heard the same rumors, so they reti retained a real scholar. He was a Christian. His name was Johannes Rutenlog. And he was absolutely a scholar, knew Hebrew so well, he could write responses and actually go back and re-examine other Hebrew texts and do it in Hebrew. So mm -hmm. he knew what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So he was actually retained and appointed by the church to go back and see if that was the Jesus that was being criticized. And he came back and said it is absolutely not. So this is a very... So there, are, there were other... Yeshua wasn't no. There was were, more there were, of a common, the two not they're common talking, name. The two they're talking about. One of them is actually almost 200 years before Jesus was born, and him. And the Jews keep saying that's not the Jesus of the Bible you're reading about. But since it has the same name, like in the video, the guy says that says this, it says that. He's just wrong. Because that's 200, almost 200 years before, and that particular Yeshua they're talking about, same name. Uh, he actually went to Egypt. He learned magic. He came black and back and tried to do all these black arts and magic in Israel. And he was kicked out of a school he was going to, uh, ran by Hillel. Now, the other one is uh, in the second century. And he was actually at the time of a guy that's a very famous. After 
after Jesus in after, Nazareth. After, yeah. Thank you, yes, after Jesus. And he was at the time of a guy named Akiva. Almost every Jew knows who Akiva was. He was a very, very famous rabbi. In fact, uh, he was one of the guys that disobeyed even the Romans and taught the children the Torah, though it was forbidden by the Romans to do it. I, I remember him as a figure of history. Yeah. Sure. So at any rate, so it couldn't possibly be. And so we're talking about, you know, Herod and Akiva way after uh, the guy, not Jesus of the Bible. At any rate, so, and I know we probably got some other things to talk about, but at any rate, it's so sketchy, so wrong. They it's imp- will say the film is put, the documentary is put together very professionally. Well produced. Uh-huh. Yes. But it's like, Can I it's ask like you another question? Said. I'm sorry, what, Timothy? Another question. But yes, Timothy. I'd like to ask you, you know, when they said that they don't accept Jesus as their Messiah, they're still looking for the Messiah, and whoever comes saying he's a Messiah would be the Antichrist, and they, they would accept him. That's an interesting thought. Let me ask you, Timothy, when you understand that, uh, and we, we understand, and that's fine. I've got no criticism whatsoever. But let's say you understand Jesus is the Messiah. And he came, and, of course, he was killed, as the information goes in the New Testament. And he resurrected, and he ascended to heaven. You, you agree with me that so far, right? Yes. Okay. Now, you understand there will be a second coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Is that correct? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Now, in the book of Revelation in the New Testament, the last book in the New Testament, it talks about what happens when he comes back and he does the judgment, the great white throne judgment, and how what he does and cleans up everything. You know about that, right, Timothy? Yes, sir. Now, I'm going to surprise you. That in the book of Revelation is and always has been what the Jews expect the Messiah to do. So what you're looking for on the second coming, the Jews are looking for it to be, for them, the first coming. And I will tell you, what's fascinating to me is, um, you'll find that Jesus quotes it, but in Romans, actually. And in chapter 11, it says, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So let's say that the New Testament is 100% correct. And let's say that Jesus was the Messiah. For our conversation, we'll say that. And but if indeed, when if this is all correct, the Jews are were actually told by God, do not accept this until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So the Jews are doing nothing wrong, even of the New Testament scriptures. And you'll find that actually it's in verse uh, chapter eleven, verse twenty-four, twenty-five, and twenty-six in Ro- in Romans. You'll find Jesus himself says that, and he says, "Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled." In other words, what would have happened had the Jews accepted Jesus if mm-hmm. he was if he was the Messiah, and they all accepted him? Well, what does that mean? That means that nobody else gets in. Time's over. Well, I kind of, what I understand when I'm reading the New Testament, mm. Jesus said, and it says in Romans, written by Paul, hey, you guys hold up until the Jew, all the Gentiles get in too. Then you guys will come on board. Now, if that's correct, then it's correct. If it's not correct, it's not correct. But that's the way I read it because mm-hmm. both of them are saying this. In fact, one of the things I really did not both, get it, Both Jesus and Paul, you're saying. They both say that. And what's fascinating... It, it is there, I know. Uh-huh. And in chapter 25 of Matthew, there's this famous goat and the sheep stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jesus clearly says, I 
will separate the goats and the sheep. Goat is actually a kind of a play on words because the Greeks had a coastline that was shaped like a goat's head, Aegean, the Aegean Sea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and, he'll, and who's going to be the goats? The ones that did not, and this is a quote, did not treat his brothers well. The Jews. And who's going to be the sheep that he takes care of? The nations that treated his brothers well. Now, there's Jesus saying that. And I'm not going back. I could go back and relate to Abraham. Everybody knows that I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. But without even going there. Here you got Jesus in Matthew 25. And Timothy, I'd encourage you to go back and take a look real carefully. And Jesus clearly says the goats are the one that does not treat his brothers well. Well, Jesus' brothers would have been the Jews. The ones that are the sheep, he says, who did keep, keep, uh, keep his brothers well. And they also would be the nations and how they treated the Jews. I have a question and a comment about that as well, but I don't want to keep Timothy unnecessarily. Uh, I want you to be able to share openly and clearly and without you know, any questions you have at all, Timothy, any doubts or hesitations or responses. We'd love to hear from you, but I don't want to keep you unnecessarily if you want <laughs> all night long. I'll, I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it on the radio. Okay, okay though. Right. Thank, thank you for thank calling you, in. Thanks. We really appreciate it, Timothy. Well, there's our music. I can't believe our second segment is over. Uh, well, I probably talked a lot. Time, as Kermit the Frog says, uh, time's fun when you're having flies, right? That's, that's the idea. Okay, folks, we can give us a call, though, just like Timothy did, just like Harold did, 210-340-9585, and we will be right back. Lost and left to die Oh, raise your head for love is passing by Come to Jesus Come to Jesus Come to Jesus This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar Now your burden's lifted And carried far Precious blood has washed away the stain. So sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus, sing to Jesus. And we are back. I love that tune. Just a sweet invitation. Come to Jesus. Come to the Lord. Come to the relationship with him. Uh, And that's um, that's, uh, the message of uh, the New Testament, at least, and I, I think you know, we I see a seamlessness between the Hebrew scriptures, the prophecies, the predictions uh, about who Yeshua was. And, uh, and and I did want to follow up, Jacob, a little bit with what we're talking to Timothy about. Sure. Go right ahead. This idea of just of, act like it, you're on the show with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll pretend for the moment. But. Uh, the, the point, you know, the idea you said, that, and I, I don't have any question any doubt about the idea. John that, is asking, who's that talking? <laughs> who is this? The, the, no, I, I understand this idea that, you know, that many Jews are thinking what that will be for them. Uh, I remember one rabbi telling me one time uh, when Jesus comes back, if I get to ask him a question, I'm going gonna, gonna to ask him, is this your first time here? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> and, right. Yeah. They, yeah. they think of that. And 
And I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm presuming that God knows God knows exactly each person's heart where they are in terms of their longing and desire for Him, um, as it relates to Messiah. The one thing I would mention and that that we have to remember is that even as you talked about the idea that Israel, the Jewish nation, at some level and some to some degree, uh, rejected. Uh, Messiah, and, and I'm wondering who that's talking about. When, when, for example, in the Gospel of John, John, who is a, a, a Jewish uh, young man, uh, and he's a Jewish follower of Messiah. In fact, we have to remember all of the early believers, all of the f- disciple. Uh, not a, well, Luke, as you mentioned, Luke was not. Luke was a, a writer of the Scriptures, and he was not Jewish. He was a uh, uh, Greek, and uh, maybe there was another as well. Uh, we might think of Hebrews. Some people think that was Apollos. But uh, as you mentioned, some people, writers in the Old Testament that were not Jewish, there were as well in the New. And almost nobody realizes a couple of prophets back in the Tanakh and right. the Old Testament that are not Jewish. Obadiah and, ha- and Habakkuk, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, the, 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 I guess what I'm trying to get at is uh, slowly making my way there is the fact that uh, it the universality, it, it isn't like, John says he came into his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And so <coughs> I think we interpret that as meaning he came into his own, uh, to the nation of Israel, to the people of Israel, the people of the promise, the covenant, mm-hmm. and they didn't receive him. I don't know what that means, because here John is a, a Jewish person, of the co- and he, he is he did receive Jesus. He did Believe in him, trust him, and follow him. Mm-hmm. And all of the early believers were Jews, or most all. And the great makeup of the, whenever they preached in uh, Jerusalem in 4,000 conversions, or the, when Peter first preaches there in Acts chapter 2, um, they're, they're Jewish men and women. Uh, and frankly, they were reaping the fruit probably of John the Baptist and Jesus' ministry. They, mm-hmm. Those two had... They had had a tremendous ministry across uh, Israel of that time, and there's thousands of followers, people who believed and trusted him. And so when uh, the disciples started preaching after the mm-hmm. resurrection, mm-hmm. Um, hundreds, thousands came to believe, t- came to faith, and almost all at that time, at that these were, we're talking about Jewish men and women. Uh, and then, of course, it spread like um, we're told in Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So it broke out of Jerusalem into mm-hmm. the Gentile world and spread like wildfire across the uh, empire, the Roman Empire and of that era. is there a name that is used for the time period you referred to in Acts chapter 1? In Acts chapter, was it called the time of the Gentiles? Or no, no, no. But is there a word they use for it starts with a P? Oh, the Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that experience, that time. Okay, now why is that important? Pentecost. Well, it means 50. 50 it days. 50. 50, 50 uh, days after the resurrection? Uh, 50 days after Passover. After Passover. Now, okay. what took place back in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the Torah, actually, 50 days after Passover when they left Egypt? What took place? The giving of the, the Ten Commandments. The first set of the Ten Commandments. Right. Uh-huh. So that anniversary date is a repetitive thing that takes place in the New Testament and mm-hmm. the Christian Scriptures. So that that's all set up so those things. But if you don't know, that's mm-hmm. what took place. 
then what happens is you miss some of the meaning of that. So Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem. Don't don't go until I signal you. So there they were in the upper room in prayer. Acts chapter two, uh, 120 men praying. Why 120? In a prayer meeting. Why 120? I I I don't know. It has something to do with 12. I'm sure. It, okay. Ten from each tribe, maybe? Or? Exactly. Okay. Ten. Now, what that's telling you is this. The ten, ten it, was it? I'm just guessing here, but I remember that if there were ten men in any particular locale, they were to establish a synagogue. Okay. Almost. Was that related yeah, to you that? Can, you can pray individually anytime you want, but to have an official meeting, it's called a minyan. And it takes 10. That's You'll right. find it that. actually back in Genesis when it actually is established. And because uh, even Abraham bargains with God down to 10. So it got a repetitive 10 idea. So if you've got 10, then it's a real official prayer. But if you've got 10 from each tribe, you have 120, which means it's a national day. A national minion. Official <laughs> national day. That's why. How about that? Well, then they're in there in prayer, and uh, then we have this opening, what is considered, I think, the opening of the time of the Gentiles, the opening of the, this new era, this time when God is dealing not only primarily with the nation of Israel, and it's always, as you've always commented, it's always been, it's never been racial or ethnic or genetic, it's about uh, uh, it's about a spiritual and uh, descendancy, a spiritual. I'll give you a prime a example. Abraham, a slave comes to him. Eli, uh, what's his name? Eliezer. Eliezer, yeah. Uh, Eliezer. And he's not Jewish. Right. But he comes in. And Abraham brings him in, and he actually gets his freedom from his owners, his slave masters. And now he's part of Israel. And he wasn't uh, Jewish. In fact, he would have been a Abraham's uh, heir. If they hadn't exactly. found, uh, exactly so. Uh, if they hadn't found, uh, if Sarah That's hadn't right. had given birth to right. Isaac. That's right. And then you find the interesting thing. I, I know this is a detail, but then you find Eleazar, this faithful servant right. for many years, who would have been the heir, right. uh, who goes out and finds a wife mm -hmm. for Isaac. Yes. In that a picture there of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, it's it's a fascinating thing, but I, I I'll let that go. I I think I I think we've spent uh, probably enough time, and I want to get back to Ezekiel sure, if we sure. can, because one of the themes I'm on, I understand it at least from the book of Ezekiel is uh, there's this element, this the important one of one of the important lessons is about the Spirit, God's Spirit. Uh, to some degree, and I'm wondering from the Hebrew perspective, do they think, do they receive it in that sense? What What is the spiritual lesson, the spiritual lesson that we get, or, or maybe there's more than one, but principally from the book of Ezekiel, from his messages, from his preaching there in, over in Babylon? What is this, what's the strong... Well, you've got message. him, of course, he's over there with Daniel and Mordecai, sure. and, all and he's over there explaining to them what's going on back in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. and explaining, look, this is all He has these of the visions of Jerusalem, and sees yes, into the does. temple, and he so on. He even, yeah. yeah, and later on next week, we'll get to the last part where he actually describes what the third temple is going to look like, uh -huh. 
And then the comparison to Jeremiah. And I say they must be read in conjunction. And so I give you a compliment that you actually selected Ezekiel to be read right after Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was intentional, but it was certainly a Let's say it was the Lord's intent, Uh, (laughs) evidently. (laughs) Okay, so what you got is he's telling everybody. And, you know, at one point we know he's told to lay on one side, his left side, for how many days? 300-something? 90 390 days. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he's, that's for the nation and ten tribes. Okay. Now, and then he's told to have that lay on the other, the other side for 40 days for Judah. Now, that it, are the number of years uh-huh. that they did not uh, have Jubilee, right? Or um, something like that? 70 years is the, how long they were in Babylon because for 70 years they failed to oh, provide, yeah. let the land rest on the yearly Shabbat, or Sabbath, so they made up for that time to give God's land a time to rest. There you go. And now, and if, the 390 was the years that uh, the ten northern tri- Israel had been uh, right. destroyed in 722 uh, B.C. Uh-huh. Years before. And does that come up to 390 up to that time of Ezekiel? Uh, Is that the idea? Three, 390. No, but it does do this. Hey, do you happen to have a super-duper Bible with you tonight? I do. My well, super-duper magic what does, dollar Bible. Now we're, we're, so if you add 40 plus 390, what do you get? 460. Uh, would you like to do that again, Mr. Matthews? You said 70? I said 390 plus 40. Oh, 40, 40, uh, 430. 430. So if you have your super di- super duper Bible with uh-huh. you, look at Exodus 1240. Okay. It says, you want me to read it? or Why, just, why not? I, and I think I meant read it out loud. <laughs> there is no 1240. <laughs> there is no 1240. There isn't? No. <clears throat> not in my Gentile Bible. <laughs> oh. It only goes up to Ezekiel chapter 12. I only know, goes not up Ezekiel, to Exodus. Ah, okay. You said Ezekiel. But yeah. Well, I probably did, and I didn't realize it added up to 460 either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a math major. you got to trust me I on know, these matters. I know, I do, I do. I, okay, I, Ezekiel, uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 40. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt... For 430 years. Ah. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all of the Lord's forces left the land. Ah, now isn't this interesting? Uh-huh. Uh, kind of yeah, curious. Sure. Uh, is that a dink or is well, that's the idea? There's, that nothing in the, there's nothing in the Bible that's a dink. <laughs> okay, so, so Ezekiel here is, re- but the 390 and the... And the 40, that's the reference. Okay, I've always kind of wondered where that was and how those, why those numbers. Uh, is that, uh, I wonder if some of the, our, our commentaries well, mention that. The interesting thing also Maybe is they don't. This, uh, and I just want to touch on a few things because we, uh, sure. we're lucky enough to talk with Timothy for a little bit. Uh-huh. But um, one of the other things that's very interesting, I want to just, we know that the beginning of Ezekiel, uh, there was a guy who wrote a book years ago called uh, Van Don, and he wrote a book about the chariots of the gods. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, well, this is obviously some space rocket. Uh-huh. Well, I want to tell you what. Actually, the name for this section from the Hebrew is uh, Masah Merkava. Now, Merkava is actually the name that Israel uses for their tanks in Israel today. Sounds like a Mercury. Well, it could be. 
Uh, well, Mercury was a, a mythical god of the well, Romans, right? The, but see, this is a, the Mecca is a chariot, a divine chariot. Okay. So they've actually, instead of calling them tanks, they, they call it the name that they got for the tanks in Israel today. Merkava. Yeah. So anyway, what's fascinating is this thing comes along. Actually, and let me just tell you. Um, is this the wheel within the wheel? Or no. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Let's see here. Um, We're into some of these fascinating visions that Je- uh, that Ezekiel has uh, as he's over in Babylon. And uh, the opening chapter, in fact, he said, I saw a great storm and so on. There was a fire inside the cloud. In the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. Their feet had hooves like those of a calf. And shone like burnished bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see the human. Ha- I could see human hands. So uh, each of the four beings had four faces and four wings, and the wings of each living being touched the wings of the beings beside it. So we see this uh, human face, this uh, eagles, and uh, you know different. This is one of the, you know this opening vision he has is is so. Uh, and he says, I looked at these beings in chapter in verse 15. He said, I saw four wheels touching the ground beside them, one wheel belonging to each wheel within a wheel and that sort of thing. And so we have these this vision that I won't go on describing. And, and so uh, what is that taking to be and what is the intent? What is the message that we well, get from that vision? This is something it's very, very hard to understand. And as I say, we're talking about supernatural heavenly things, but we're trying to use physical words to describe it. So naturally, it's going to be somewhat difficult. The wheel in a wheel is actually made up of what's called ofanim, which is angels. And is this that mercury, the the, the word you the just whole, said, is this the reference? The whole item coming across uh-huh. is that. Now, here's okay. the understanding. Let's see if I, th- I think it's uh, Ezekiel 8, 6. Let's see what it says, 8, 6. Uh-huh. That says... Oh, as the as it's coming, it says, and this is really, I think, one of the things that helps put this whole story in in perspective. So it's eight six. Do you have eight six there? How's that? Son written? of man, he said, do you see what they are doing? He had this vision of the entrance of the gate to near the altar in Jerusalem, from over in Babylon. Ezekiel's having this vision. Do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins of the people of Israel are committing? The people of Israel are committing to drive me from my temple. Become, you will see even more detestable sins than these. And he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard where I could see a hole in the wall. He said to me, now dig into the wall. So I dug in the wall and found a hidden doorway. And he finds, and he discovers other And of course, this is sins. all in a vision. Uh-huh. Now, what's going on is that God left the temple. Yes. Because other gods are there now, and so what you're seeing is the Jewish understanding is that the we'll call it the Shekinah uh-huh. or the Shekinah, the the Shekinah glory, the manifest called. presence sure. of God in the temple. They it went with the Jews into Babylon. It left the temple. So what you're looking at, in a sense, you're seeing it come, and he's seeing it coming to Babylon. This starts putting the idea in in perspective. And if you in this very interesting verse, it takes place over in uh, eight fourteen. Uh huh. Do you know what that is? He brought me to the north gate of the Lord's temple, and some women were sitting there weeping for, for the god Tammuz. Tammuz. Now, have you seen this? Yeah. But I will show you even more detestable sins than these. The god Tammuz. 
Tammuz. Do you know what Tammuz was? No. Okay. Tammuz. Now, uh, it it is what it is, but it has nothing to do with Jesus. But it is true that Tammuz died every fall. He resurrected in what we generally are thinking about close to Easter. And so we know about the time of year this is because they're weeping because Tammuz died. He also, his followers also wore earrings and necklaces with certain designs on them. So Tammuz was a god of vegetation whose uh-huh. female counterpart was Ishtar. Right? Exactly. So you've got God's temple being uh, adulterated with all these other gods, these other worshiping. So God will not maintain his presence in that house, in that temple. So he left. But where did he go? This thing we're describing about, this supernatural thing coming, is what you might call, uh, for just conversation purposes, he's actually seeing what's happening. It's coming to Babylon because he's going to accompany the Jews. And my understanding is that one of the practical outworkings of, of the lesson of the of of Ezekiel had to do with the idea that uh, the actually hinting at the idea that the Holy Spirit, that God's presence and we can experience God's presence and His power and His at work within us uh, wherever we are, because uh, I think the Jewish people were so mentalized that they where they. Uh, their understanding of God and their experience of God had a geographic, it was the temple. That was the point. That's where, and so now they're learning that God can be with you here, even in Babylon, God can be here. You can experience his presence. And and so it's the the introduction of the idea, maybe, maybe not introduction, but it's a presentation of the idea of God's Holy Spirit, that we can experience his presence uh, anywhere, uh, that we go, that God is with us spiritually. Uh, and they, even there in Babylon, they could experience God's presence and his power at work with them, his comfort, his working in their lives. Is, is that yeah, consistent? Yeah, of, of course, because okay. it's, the building is a building. What makes it holy is God. In fact, if I might read a little English translation from sure. the Hebrew, yeah. it actually says... Uh, in that Which verse are you talking eight, about? 8-6. Uh-huh. It says something very interesting. It says... Uh, uh, was it? Uh, it says, actually, said, uh, Then he, God, said to me, Ezekiel, son of man, do you see what they do? Great abominations of the people of the house of Israel committing here, committed here in the mm-hmm. sanctuary mm-hmm. to cause me to distance myself from my sanctuary. So here's this, uh, in the Hebrew it's called uh, Hashmael, and so, but it's, and that's, Something we really don't even know what that means. So what is happening? It's coming, but it's it's fascinating. The vision here. The vision. Okay. And so, but he's actually saying. So I always like to kind of start there because if you get the idea, well, we don't know what it is exactly. We know it's supernatural. We know it's holy, and here it is coming to Babylon from where the sanctuary from the temple. And remember what Jeremiah writes. He said, "God will leave the temple." And so it wasn't the building necessarily. But what's fascinating is, and the Jews do understand this, that the Holy Spirit or this, the Spirit of God accompanied them into exile. Isn't that fascinating? Thank you. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. I, I, I think it's so fascinating, the whole theme of the Holy Spirit, that we, uh, 
that we know and understand today, what we understand as God's people is that the Spirit of God is with each and every one of us. When we come, when we are born again, we, we are uh, uh, brought into Israel, made a part of God's people, uh, that we are, God dispatches His Spirit to to escort us to glory. I, I just w- love that theme. And you know, over in uh, chapter 16, because we're supposed to go to 22 tonight, uh-huh. 1660, yeah. uh, it says, Yet I will remember my, God says, I will remember my covenant I made with you in the other days. What verse? Uh, 60. Okay. 1660. Uh, I made my covenant I made with you. I will establish an eternal covenant with you and receive your older and younger brothers and sisters. And when you realize what you've done, you will be ashamed and return to me. There, there again, if there, are, you know, if there are no Jews in the world, well, nobody told God because he's saying it's an eternal covenant. But one of the most fascinating verses, <laughs> um, it's not concentrating on the Jews, and it's not concentrating really on the Christians. It's concentrating on God's side of the covenant. And that's what I noticed that they didn't seem to catch. But look at, uh, and if you would, look at your Bible on 1821. This is actually what this all about. All this bad stuff has happened. We mm-hmm. know what's going on. And then we know they're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. But look at what it's saying. So if you're, it's an eternal covenant. And look at 1821, what it says. But if wicked people turn away from their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right... They will surely live and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten, and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Now, I'm going to suggest that every, and I notice that one thing that happens, people tend to forget, are we talking the physical world or the spiritual world? These sins that's being talked about, returning to Israel, that's Mm -hmm. all physical. The Torah simply tells us how to live in this world, in the physical world. And he's saying right here, he's not talking about getting to heaven. He actually is saying, he's saying, look, you're, if, a, if a wicked man repents of all his sins and keeps my statutes and justly and acts righteously, he will certainly live and not die. None of his previous sins will be remembered. Now, that's for the physical world. And I notice that a lot of times when people are having conversations, they get a little bit convoluted about are we talking about spiritual getting to heaven we're talking about the physical all this stuff is physical hmm that uh, I, I understand that and I re- I mean I, I get what you're saying I'll have right. to think through that a little bit and see if that's we probably should do that it, after the show yeah I probably should because it's, <laughs> it's painful it hurts no but I want to evaluate but the, I guess what I'm wa- wanting to ask here that is um the, the oh gosh it just came into my mind and went out uh santo al cielo as they say in spain um uh forgot what i was going to say there we've only got a few minutes left yeah. and i wanted to make sure that uh we haven't left anything up in the air Did you so want to easy? talk about your number 18 uh oh, it relates to america and the, and the country oh yes that's right let's talk about it next week because we're still in ezekiel we can, we can. we'll finish and, up the book i got a, i got a question for you real quick in a movie called Pulp Fiction, there is a there is a phrase. Oh, that, Ezekiel! And it's going to be in Ezekiel. Maybe somebody can tell us where. I know where, but maybe somebody can tell us next week. Talk and, about it next and week. And remember, a long quote. And remember, always be the kind of person you would like to have prepared.
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.